I can remember being about 14 or 15 years old and going with my aunt to a baby shower. Now, this baby shower was for my uncle's girlfriend, and it was really my first time kind of going to one, so I was really looking forward to it. We get there, and of course, there's gifts and food, and man, the food was everything. <laughs> so many different flavors of wings and meatballs and sandwiches and fruit trays and vegetable trays and really honestly trays that I didn't even know you could put together and create. I always find that baby shower. Seriously though, but I digress. Also at the shower we played games, one of which I won. To say I was excited would have been an understatement because not only was I glad to be the winner, I was also glad to feel included. I was included in this group of women in, in a tradition that I had never experienced before. So I was excited. Man, I was excited. And I expressed myself in such a way, and I don't really remember the words that I use or how I put it, but I did it in such a way that one of the party goers said, man, you talk white. Now, I had never experienced anything like that before. No one had ever said that to me. And from that day on, probably for a few years after, I always wondered one thing specifically. What the fuck do it mean to talk white? But for real, I really wanted to know exactly what in the hell that meant. Because before then, like I said, nothing I said or how I spoke had really been called into question. Other than in regard to my accent. Like if my cousins came home from Jersey or even from out west from California, they always talked about our accents here in the South. The Southern twang and the Southern drawl was very, very real. But... Other than that, I I didn't really think I was any different than anybody else. Because where I grew up, country was kind of spelled with a K. So no matter the background, the ethnic background, whether you were black, white, Asian, Hispanic, we all sounded the same. Words like y'all, reckon, can't, ain't. It was just used broadly. It was a very, it, we, we just had our own kind of dialect down here in the South. And that was the only thing that I thought contrasted anywhere else. So being told that I taught white, that, that concept was just really foreign to me and, and kind of unsettling because everyone in my environment sounded like I sounded. For example, in my family, we, we were taught to, when we entered a room, we had, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all all right? It was a, a, a practice in manners to do it like that. And then if we had something to say, we actually had to know the difference between saying it one way and saying it another way depending on the audience in which we were in front of. So, for example... 
if I was talking to someone that I actually had a strong rapport with, someone that I, I knew, someone that I knew their mama knew my mama or something like that, the message on, say, if they were acting real strange or dumb, I would deliver it to them like, hey, man, what the hell you got going on? Like, you out here just acting all crazy and you can't be, you can't do that. Like, that's you, you got to get your shit together, man. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you through this. And and however I can do that, you just let me know. But you, you got to speak up, man. Like, don't be out here acting all crazy when you can just open your mouth and ask for help. Okay? Now... Me saying that to someone that I really didn't know, but I wanted to get the same message across would sound more like the manner in which you're behaving is unacceptable. I don't know what's going on, but I really need you to go into a state of introspection and find the root of the problem and really figure it out. Okay, and then once you have discovered that, we can get together and discuss on ways in which you can improve and how I can help you do that. Because I don't want you to fail because you didn't ask for help. Okay, so let me know and we can work on this together. It's the exact same message, but really it's delivered differently. So uh, I, I knew... It, it was really a practice in discernment, knowing what to say and how to say it. And it was influenced by many things by the time I was a teenager. I mean, honestly, I was a bookworm. I was somewhat of a nerd and still am and very proud of that. <laughs> but I had my nose in a book all the time. So if I came by words or came across words that I really didn't know what they meant, I researched the word. I wanted to know the root of the word, whether it was Latin or Greek or some other root. I wanted to know the meaning of the word. I wanted to know the synonyms, the antonyms, everything about the word. So the next time, the, the next time, the next time I came across it, I would have a better understanding. Literature and English were like my favorite subjects in school, only second to math. So I had a great comprehension of language and words and how they could be used. And as a teenager, I, by the, it, it just was already there, pretty much. I had already had the foundation of how I spoke. So I didn't think anything about it but that day I started from that day on I started to think like was I wrong for how I used words for how I spoke for how I delivered what I had to say for how I verbally expressed myself had I broken some some cardinal rule for black folks that <laughs> I couldn't be grammatically correct it really was like all right Am I, am I any different? Because I didn't really think that being grammatically correct and speaking well was a racial characteristic. I didn't think it was just something that white people could only do or just black people could do or anybody. I just thought it was just the way things went. And then it, after that, it really made me be like, but is it how things go? I started to scrutinize other aspects of myself, honestly. 
I, I question like, was it okay for me to be a fan of Bach and Beethoven just as much as I was Tupac and Biggie? Like, couldn't I enjoy the works of Dylan Thomas and Ernest Hemingway as much as I did Nikki Giovanni and Maya Angelou? I, I Like, I wanted to know why I couldn't just exist in this place of duality. Why couldn't I just be all of these things just encompass into one specific individual without my black card being pulled or being told, oh, you speak so well for a black person. Which, tangent real quick, telling a black person that they speak so well to be a black person is not okay. That's a backwards-ass compliment, and it's really not a compliment in itself at all. <laughs> it's almost like telling a black woman or girl, oh my gosh, you're so pretty to be a black girl. Which I heard that shit too, but that's a conversation for another time. I, I just wanted to know why I couldn't exist in this place? Why did I have to be told that I, I talked this way or I acted this way when really I was just being my individual, beautiful, wonderful, spectacular self? And I went on that journey of clarity. I wanted understanding. I wanted to find something that was relatable that could help me explain what I was feeling, like this this double-sidedness almost. Like I felt like I was betraying being black, but also not accepting being American almost. I had to exist in the world that I was born into. So I needed something to help me feel okay because of that. I needed something that made me feel like, all right, this is acceptable. I'm not going to worry about anything and I'm going to continue to be me. And it wasn't until I picked up The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois that I really, that I found it. It was like a chef's kiss. It was, it was the perfect description of the struggle that I was having internally and I just was enraptured by that. I was just caught up in that. And still to this day, a lot of the 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 concepts, one in one in particular is still tattooed in my mind. And honestly, friend, I I, I know I know you like hearing me talk, so I, I I think I would be okay in doing this, but I would really like to just share with you exactly specifically this this one concept of a of a double uh double consciousness of of a duality that some black people, maybe many of us, actually go through and experience. And I feel like sharing this with you will actually share part of me. So if you don't mind, I'd like to do that now. Here we go. After the Egyptian and Indian, the Greek and Roman, the Teuton and Mongolian, the Negro is a sort of seventh son, born with a veil and gifted with second sight into this American world. A world with which yields him no true self-consciousness, but only lets him see himself through the revelation of the other world. 
It is a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at oneself through the eyes of others, of measuring one's soul by the tape of, the, of a world that looks on in amused contempt and pity. One ever feels his two-ness, an American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, two warring ideals in one dark body whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. The history of the American Negro is the history of this strife, this longing to attain self-conscious manhood, to merge his double self into a better and truer self. It is this merging, in this merging, he wishes neither of the older selves to be lost. He would not Africanize America, for America has too much to teach the world in Africa. He would not bleach his Negro soul in a flood of white Americanism, for he knows that Negro blood has a message for the world. He simply wishes to make it possible for a man to be both a Negro and an American without being cursed and spit upon by his fellows, without having the doors of opportunity closed roughly in his face. That, those two paragraphs, and it, it gives me chills right now, and it, and it also kind of brings tears to my eyes because that is exactly how I felt. I felt like I was being made fun of by my peers because I spoke well. And then I was also made an object of not necessarily ridicule, but like a sideshow by white people or other people because I spoke well or because I enjoyed classical music as well as rap and hip hop because I enjoyed things that were very hard and very strongly African or Jamaican or black as well as things that were American. It was like, finally, I am seen. And from that point on, I really kind of freed myself from needing to be accepted. Honestly, it was, it was like a, finally a, a moment of clarity that freed me from questioning anything else about myself. It was just the emotional classification that I needed to give me the strength and, to, and the courage to continue being myself. I wasn't burdened by the confusion I wasn't, I wasn't tied down by, oh shit, I, I better not say anything like that because this might happen. I wasn't really worried about the response that I received more so than the message that I had to give. Because honestly, I recognized that I wielded a tongue and a voice that could deliver words that I had to say and it could be received by not just one group in particular, but by many. And honestly, it's one of the reasons why I got behind this mic in the first place. So I still harness that power. I still hold on to that. 
and ultimately I'm, I'm thankful for what that person said because it, it motivated me to kind of go on a journey of, of acceptance of myself. And after I read The Souls of Black Folk, I really felt whole. Even though I had these two warring ideals, this double consciousness, I felt merged. I felt complete. And more so for myself than anybody else. So, I can't even fathom where I would be or how would I feel about myself had I not taken the time to really look into the depth of being told I taught white. So if that's you, if you have been told that, friend, don't, don't, don't fret. Don't fret at all. No matter what aspects, no matter what things make you up, Know that you are a powerful individual. Know that you are composed and comprised of amazing things. Know that you have the ability to deliver your message to the audience when you need to. Know that you, and, and know that when you do speak, that you are speaking with grace and I want you to recognize that. So as we go further into this Black History Month, I want you to not only be proud, because of course we're proud 365 days of the year, 52 weeks out of the year, okay? Every month, 12 months out of the year, proud to be Black. Even more so now in this month, I want you to, if there is something that you question about your Blackness, I want you to deal with that. I want you to overcome it and I want you to use it as your motivation. And I want you, once you overcome it and once you gain that perspective and once you gain that that strength, teach someone about the awe-inspiring works of black people. Teach someone about your community. Do something in your community to teach everyone else. Be a shining example of the merging of two minds. I tell you what, speak on that unspoken duality. That's what you can do. Do that for yourself and do that for your peers. And I promise you, you will come out on top because I feel like a winner. Just as I was excited about winning that, that game at that baby shower, I feel just as excited now about knowing myself and being and being in touch with my true self. So do that. That is what I charge you with. In this space, you know you're safe. And ultimately, I'm going to call you out because the goal is evolution. Don't ever think I forget about that. We are progressing and we are moving forward. That's what we're doing. So I hope you have been well. And like, like always, I wish you love, light, laughter, and my mama collard greens. <laughs> Peace. I'm out.